Hello. Thank you for listening to and watching You Had Options. Uh, this episode, I talk with Effie, the professional wrestler. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Man, maybe one of my, I, I don't want to say, but probably my most uh, fun interview to do yet. Um, yeah, check out Effie on Instagram at Effie Lives. Um, go buy some of the shirts from uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. He also just dropped some new shirts at wrestlingis.gay. And man, they are great. I'm going to buy one. You should go buy all of them. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Check out uh, You Had Options on Instagram and Twitter um, at You Had Options. Go make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so I can change the damn URL. I need 100 subscribers. Is that, I think that's, you know, I don't think that's too much to ask for. But yeah, please enjoy this conversation with Effie. Thank you for joining me so much. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling excited. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. You you were telling me earlier that uh, you're finally feeling a little bit like a human again. Uh, yeah, somewhat. We'll see. I, you know, I have a real knack for not sleeping for long periods of time right. to get things done and be effective. And then eventually I'll pick a day where I'm like, like I schedule, I schedule my sleep ins really hard and I'll be like, okay, I can take three melatonin tonight yeah. and just uh, turn the phone off and not worry about anything. And I rarely get those days, but sometimes they come up. And now that I'm thinking about it, tomorrow won't be one of those days. <laughs> what? Uh, what's it's just, just, you got crazy stuff going on. Are you are you booking stuff, doing business stuff tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow I actually I'm going to be making my way down to the uh, the the farm of Luke Gallows to get into some talking shopamania business. Oh, and I had almost forgotten about that. And uh, it's always a very weird time down there. And he's uh he's kind of been everywhere in wrestling. So to even right. be around and and hang out with him, you end up learning a lot about I'm what's sure. going on in the world. I'm sure. Yeah, I saw that video that. Uh that he had posted of, of you guys, that little like teaser video. Yeah. And that's a very small portion of what we actually recorded. And that was like a month ago. So hopefully we'll get into some more tomorrow and we can start getting stuff out into the open. It's been, it's been a, a different experience definitely, but also very exciting to be yeah. a part of. Hell yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were talking also that you've kept up with uh, staying busy during COVID with the uh, Twitch You've turned on, turned yourself on to Twitch. Yeah, Twitch has been kind of insane because you know there was there was a, a light demand for wrestling, you know, with the Twitch audience a while back, and you had things like Wrestle Circus and Hood Slam famously was yeah. you know one of the first wrestling places on Twitch and, and did a lot with that content. 
And now you're sort of seeing uh, a whole new crop of people jump in on Twitch. And luckily they don't really, they're not looking at, Hey, are you independent? Are you signed to a show? Are you this or that? They're just looking for who's a good broadcaster and who brings the heat and brings the energy and watching wrestling with people. Twitch has taken notice with, you know, what we've been able to do with the stream. I've been teaming up a lot with Zicky dice uh, and we've been doing some really cool streams. And luckily we've been able to kind of talk with the Twitch people and see what they're looking for and see what they need and uh, fill some, fill some big, roles and shoes for twitch and plus like not doing shows all the time i get to kind of hang out and interact with people i don't see all the time like it's not even just like fans and supporters coming in right a lot of times like wrestlers will jump in my chat like alex cologne jumping in my chat was right. crazy the other day i had lita jump in the chat the other day and was just hanging out so Shit. it's like it's a very odd new weird way to connect with people and like it definitely it, it brings us all closer no matter what the barrier of company or place where you're wrestling at is right. Yeah, the uh, I watched uh, Monday Not Raw. Uh, yes, uh, the the live this this last one you just did. Uh, I really enjoyed it because <laughs> um, I didn't know what you were. I I'd seen you post about it before, but I didn't know what the format was. Uh, it's crazy. It's can, nonstop. It's wrestling. It was stream it's, stream. It was stream of consciousness. Consciousness. Uh, you uh, just comment being a third commentator or whatever you know yeah i fully like lose myself in it and just go and like having that sort of brain to mouth sensor turned off i mean it's a little risky but it's also the best way for me to just react to whatever's happening in front of me whether it be something in the chat or something in the match or whatever's going on right and it's a very live fluid show which is sort of like how i am as a wrestler right. too like i change on the fly i do what feels right out there um, and I do that with the show too. So like today people were like, we were watching all these weird wrestling matches and Puff came by, who's a wrestler from Buffalo, Buffalo who was trained right. by the blade of butcher and the blade. And I said, Puff, let's watch a Puff match right now. And we could do that and have him in the chat and interact. So it's just a very fluid version of wrestling and we can react to what the people like and I can show them what I like. And we sort of get to feel, you know, all the crazy stuff going on. The, it's uh, good. Uh, just, just to, just to talk about um, the last stream, the last um, Monday Not Raw, the opening match, uh, which was the, uh, I forgot what you called it in the stream, but I couldn't stop laughing. You were like, you know, uh, this is a two concrete wall ladder match, you know, like. Yeah. And and I wanted, sometimes that first match, you know, people are still filing in, so I don't want them to miss anything too important. Right. But what I realized is the audience really ate it up seeing these, like, kind of backyarders yeah. go at it in a crazy ladder match. And it is, you know, I don't want to say that my streams are often all that educational, but I think if you come in and you hear me sort of talking over them, you know, you'll at least learn a little bit about wrestling because maybe maybe you can learn what maybe not to do to get hurt. Right. Because we were watching some of that and they were it's rough, man. Shit, if yeah. I can be completely honest. Yeah, they uh they had a lot of uh real street signs that they were really hitting each other with and uh a lot more. You, you know. could feel uh, when those moments were not scripted in those matches as well, where somebody would get hit a little too hard and they would fire back with something hey, kind of over yeah. the top. You're like, okay, somebody's really feeling it right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not the professional way, but it is the entertaining right. way to see people freak out like that. Yeah. Um, has there been, have you, have you shown a match on Monday Night Raw and somebody like that wrestler contact you and be like, what the fuck, you know? No, most of the time I think they're pumped on it. Cool. And like it's, it's, I'm sure I'm going to get some kind of 
write up or notice from WWE eventually for playing like people's matches who used to be WWE and it won't make sense and they can try, but we'll keep showing whoever we want. But I also want to treat it as a platform to highlight new people. And so if we can get people's eyes on them, usually they're pretty appreciative to be featured on the show because uh, I I like what I call the effy rub and the effy rub is not a nefarious thing. It's, it's people will like, I'll do something and I'll put something over and I'll put right. something on my page or I'll put something on the stream. And they're like, hold up. Did you do something? Cause I like, all of a sudden just got 25 followers or all yeah, of a sudden man. just got a bump and everything. Or like, you know, a bunch of people are letting me know you were doing this. So I want that. And it helps me as a wrestler because the more people that we can get in front of people, the more people that will be excited whenever we have a match, I'm right. just, I'm doing myself a favor in the end by helping other people out and giving them right. a bigger platform. Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the Oprah book club, you know, of wrestling. Is that a f- We're going to we're going to find out someone's going to be like I wasn't even actually a wrestler. <laughs> oh no, the scandal of the of the Effie Match Club. Oh man. You showed a match of a not real wrestler. A thousand re- a thousand little pieces or whatever for yeah, Effie. Yeah, a thousand little suplexes. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh yeah, but um one thing I heard, I was in in preparation for this podcast. I was going through and watching a, a whole bunch of your stuff on YouTube, and um, I didn't realize that you were in the first fest match. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, wait, uh, and you're from Tallahassee, right? Yeah, originally from Tallahassee. Well, okay. I was living in Tallahassee when I started wrestling. So okay. I bill myself as from Tallahassee. Okay. So and. It was sick. I mean, Tony let me know, you know, I hit him up and I sent him an email and he was like, yo, you sent the most professional email, right? you know, um, come through, you know, I don't know what kind of spot I can get. She got me a little spot and it was fine. And being a part of that fast roster, it was just cool to like, look at that poster and you're like, I'm on a poster with Chuck Taylor and I'm on a poster with Beta Scott and I'm on a poster with, you know, Eric Cannon. And it was just like, it was kind of a whole new adventure for me. So Fest really gave me a huge platform and kept me really close and like recognized my skill and potential and put me in the spot to shine that out, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, Fest being in Gainesville and you being Bill from Tallahassee, that's also gotta be cool that, you know, a a Florida person is able to be, um, so involved with this, uh, relatively I, mean, I think they're three years or four years old now fest yeah, wrestling yeah and, and on hiatus a little bit you know during this right. this covid time which is unfortunate but i still have the belt at the house here right now right. and yeah as as it sort of gained the evolution you know it was it was it was a platform for a lot of new people and a lot of new people coming up on the independent scene, sure. but it also was that place where like those crazy, you know, wild dream matches could happen. And like weird people could come in and you could have Colt Cabana there and you yeah. could have Effie there and you could have space monkey there. Right. Uh, and it was just always a wild kind of vibration in the room and the fans expected craziness. Right. And it wasn't even always like hardcore wrestling fans. Like, you know, fest is a punk festival. Right. It's a, it's a music festival. And so the people who were seeing the fest name and coming weren't even that familiar, you know, with maybe wrestling. with a lot of these wrestlers, yeah. but they were super into it and super into the punk rock atmosphere. And I think that like, it pushed us as performers to go that crazier, wilder, over the top DIY, like we're going to do whatever we want, punk route right. of wrestling. Yeah. And people latched onto that, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. The, uh, I saw uh, on YouTube, there's the match you had with Sue Young, which was, which was really cool and fun. Like the, uh, it's insane. It was good. Yeah. I loved it. And then uh, Jordan Grace, I really enjoyed. 
Dude, she is a she is a hoss, and it's she just, like she can throw yeah. me around like nothing. It like I'm great. a grown ass man. So I, I even had someone this weekend. It happens often. They're like, Effie, you're larger than I expected. Like you're a larger human being than I expected. And so I always think I have you know a little bit of an advantage there, especially when you see someone of Jordan Grace's size. Right. You're like, oh well, she's she's shorter than me. I mean, she looks pretty strong, but and then you actually feel her picking you up and throwing you around, and you're like. Oh, well, damn, she is uh, incredibly powerful. Right. And I underestimated this. Uh, yeah, um, your athleticism, I, I really noticed also in, in the matches I saw on YouTube. Uh, were you an athlete like in high school or what? what <laughs> Dude, what's your history? I am, I am nothing athletic. I like Shit. I quit playing little league baseball halfway through the season. Yeah. I think I played soccer for two seasons mm. reluctantly because my parents made me. Right. And I played viola all through middle and high school. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm an artsy fartsy boy. But yeah. what I have figured out is like somehow, you know, my brother was a college athlete. My brother played college baseball. My brother was, you know, played every sport under the sun. Right. And so I'm thinking somehow maybe there was something genetically hidden in there. Because once I started training to wrestle, I found out like, oh, I am actually pretty athletic. Now, I'm still a clumsy boy. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. And I have done my absolute best to keep my feet in front of me. But there's a lot of times where you can watch where it's like, it could have ended really poorly, but it didn't. Yeah. And I attribute that to having some kind of secret athletic geneticism down in there that I never really harness, but I'm like harnessing now. It's because I can bust some stuff out to surprise people. I don't always do it, but I I really can think so. do some weird stuff. Yeah. I think I think it's just hard coded in there and you're you're now finding it, maybe. Yeah. And I think sometimes when I'm mean, I don't overthink it. So when I'm getting a real like mean energy in a match, you yeah. know, sometimes it just pops out of there without yeah. even knowing. Mm. I like that. I like that you brought that up. My dad, one time, I just have to kind of interject with this. Go, hey, he go. goes, he asked me, he goes, uh, he goes, well, do you ever work any shows that are not gay shows? <laughs> I said, I said, dad, I said, it's not that the shows are gay. I said, it's that I am so gay. I make all shows I work on gay. And so you are now seeing the perception of thinking it's a gay show. And he's like, all right. I go, well, I seen a podcast where they was talking about how good a wrestler you was and not how gay you were. He goes, that made me happy. And I was like, dad, I know he's fine with me completely. Like, don't get it twisted. But he was just like, I want him to recognize that you're actually a good wrestler too. And I was like, I don't care how they recognize me, dad, as long as they're recognizing. Right. So it's good to get that from another source. He, uh, yeah. he picked that up. Well, uh, full disclosure. Um, I did get an email from your dad, uh, oh, earlier perfect. today saying, please bring up his athleticism. No, uh, make sure you talk about them big legs, <laughs> them, them gams. Uh, he told me, he goes, you really blew it by not playing football. Cause you wouldn't have even needed a helmet with that head. I've seen you get hit in the head with these chairs and stuff. It doesn't even affect you. I was like, well, that's a little different. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Could have just worn the old school, you know, leather helmet. Um, oh yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, but to, to stay with, with fest. Um, yeah, I did have Tony on the other week and, uh, you naturally came up um, and he was telling an interesting story of you guys uh, just hanging out at uh, the last WrestleMania in New Orleans and you guys were at the Supercard of Honor show, which I also was at uh, just by happenstance, whatever. And yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, he, he was telling me the story about um, 
how you didn't stop doing Jim Ross commentary throughout the whole show. Okay, is, honestly, is, is that is that a fair? Was Tony lying or and Tony was completely not lying? Yeah. The thing about those WrestleMania weeks is you lose your mind. You see so much wrestling, you just right. absolutely lose your mind. And so I think by like hour forty-five of live professional wrestling, I was just sort of like out of it. Yeah. And so like I naturally went into my Jim Ross voice for about that entire show, <laughs> and it was so much fun the thing about the jim ross voice is like i don't mind making fun of him now because he's sort of bad at commentary like he used to be pretty good at right, it, yeah. but he's really not good at commentary now he doesn't take the time to learn these opponents he doesn't take the time to pay enough attention he doesn't work on pronouns he doesn't work on people's ethnicities it's just very it's offensive and it's not good yeah and so I don't mind making fun of him, but like you can really bring that spirit of Jim Ross being confused or Jim <laughs> Ross being angry at any moment. Where he's like, well, you know, he was working the arm there for a while, but by God, he's gone to the leg. I don't know if that's something maybe, maybe he thinks will work better. But, you know, if I was him, I'd go back to the arm if I'd already been working the arm the whole dang time. <sighs> it's, it's you too, know, you can yeah. really bring that, that, that incredulous uh, nature of Jim Ross where he's clearly trying to like, He's trying to like shit on something going on in the ring, but he's also trying to act excited. Right. And that's sort of the balance of JR is he really doesn't like wrestling anymore, but he's getting paid to talk about it. So yeah, I don't mind making fun of him and it entertains the shit out of me to call other matches as JR. Yeah. Cause you're just going cheeseburger, cheeseburgers heading to the top rope. My God, cheeseburger. Is this going to be the moment, the moment that cheeseburger has been waiting for his entire life. And, you know, it's that's funny to me in the middle of a show when nobody can hear you because everybody's screaming anyway. You right. know? Yeah. Like, let me just have my JR moment. I'm vibing the JR commentary over my own brain film, you know? <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, he, like, uh, I guess he's iconic at this point or just, like, just kind of whatever, um, nostalgic at this point you know yeah nostalgia is a big problem right now if we're being completely like yeah what a mess you know it's i mean i understand one thing you know if like let's look back in our history and celebrate it but like literally both of the tv companies right now are completely stuck on all nostalgia yeah it's just like they can't stop referencing things that happened in you know between 1996 and 2003 like they won't stop do you remember that was such a sweet yeah Dude, they are so stuck in that. And the problem is all the people that participated in that are AARP members now. And so they're bringing these people back. I explained to my dad the other day, I said, Dad, Sting and Goldberg are back. And he goes, son, I I keep bringing my dad up in this, but he's funny about wrestling. And I feel like you understand my wrestling views a little more. He goes, son, I had neck surgery and I was 49 years old. And now I'm 55. But these men these men have been in a wrestling ring and they've also had all these surgeries. I don't need to watch old men doing none of this crap. Right. I just don't need to see it. And I, I don't think that's the full vibe that America has about it, but right. maybe they should. But at a certain point, they're going to be gone. And right. then they've sat in this position of having all these talents that have been literal mid carters their entire life because they've constantly been replaced by these nostalgia acts right. in those top spots, in those main event positions. So they just don't have main events anymore. They're just, it's, it's, 
Callbacks. It all feels very yeah. mid card, and then you have to bring in these legends, and it's just like it's like yawn. What's next? Yeah. You know, haven't we beat that horse to death? Isn't there something more creative we can do? But they just keep going to the guy in the back who has his hand raised, who's got like the old network open, and he's just like, "What if we did this again?" And they're like, "I mean, nobody else has said anything, so we may as well." Yeah, it worked then. It'll definitely work now. Yeah. Call them up. Yeah, just yeah. wild to me. It befuddles me. <laughs> Yeah, it is it is befuddling because there's so much, uh, you know, and you obviously know way more than me uh, being a professional wrestler um, that there's so much cool stuff going on that is just getting pushed down, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff and there's a lot of young performers who right. like could could use the rub from some of these guys. And I think they're getting that a little bit. And that does certainly help in the mind of wrestling fans. But when I look at kind of where the future of this business is going and where I've seen the most growth, it's in sort of non-obsessed wrestling fans. And it's in people who maybe weren't there in 2000, weren't there in 2005, weren't there in 2010 that are just more in it for the experience and want to treat it as a night out and want to treat it as something to go enjoy themselves with. And having that sort of vibe is totally okay with me, but the wrestling industry wants wrestling fans that are hardcore wrestling fans or Mm. thinks that the only fans are going to get are the hardest hardcore wrestling fans. So they just assume their audience is going to understand completely what's happening when a guy who was there 20 years ago shows up and they think that it will be beneficial to them. And in the end, it ends up a little confusing for some new viewers because they're like, why, like, what's this old dude doing here? Why are people so excited? This old man's here and they can go back and learn all the history, but now you've added to their to-do list. And like, when I've got chores, I don't need to go read up on the history of your industry. I just want to participate right now. I'm watching the show already. Right. Give me that understanding, you know, without having to shove the past down my throat over and over. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's an interview I saw you do on, on YouTube of, uh, and it's, you're, it's similar to what we're saying right now. And one point that I really, I was like, man, this guy really cares. Um, is you're talking about, uh, uh, booking and the, the, the current product and how just, um, yeah, just, uh, fuck. It just feels lazy. Yeah. It feel it just feel like you could, it's, it's almost as if they just keep like grabbing all the keywords that were successful to them before right. and then pulling, re-pulling them out of the hat yeah. and hoping it'll work again. Yeah. And I'm looking at wrestling and I'm seeing all these new people and all these weird wrists and all these different companies. And I'm seeing that the internet has really opened things like freaking wide, you know, yeah. a lot of my streams get a ton more viewers. A lot of my streams get less viewers, but I'm yeah. seeing these companies get in front of people in ways that hasn't really been available before. And yeah. so I don't think that, we necessarily need to look in their direction anymore as like the leaders. They may yeah. financially still be industry leaders right now, but we're pumping stuff out. It's just, it's, it's hard when every few weeks they're going to scrap up whatever you get over, you know, into their warehouse. Right. You've got to continually be on the move and you've got to continually be looking for what's new and, uh, and trying to see what the people are, are going to vibrate towards, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, one, one point that, uh, I, I meant to bring up was uh, you were talking about how just in the circle of um, indie wrestlers about being like over on the internet, like you can't just rely on being over on the internet, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, you you have to be able to turn that over into something that people actually want to hold on to and people actually want to participate in. It's one thing to get retweets on a clip of you doing something cool, but to keep an audience coming back week over week and to keep an audience coming to you for content and not just moving on and moving to the next thing, you've got to continually innovate and continually change and continually give them something that feels like they're being rewarded for participating with you. And there's a lot of people that do that. I mean, you look at kind of this new Patreon model and that sort of like, uh, you know, subscription to the niche of the niche of the niche. And I think that the way we're going to see fan participation shift sort of the overall picture of wrestling and the way we see cable TV sort of shift downwards. Yeah. Uh, we could be looking at wrestling in a completely different way in the next three or four years that I can't even predict right now, you right. know? Yeah. Um, one question I, I thought of was whenever you were putting a match together. Um, have you had an instance where somebody who might've had like a uh, uh, re- retweeted reshared GIF or whatever, ha- have they been like, Oh, we got to do this spot. We got to shove this into the match and it like comp- not compromise the match, but it's like, that doesn't fit, you know, into what we're trying to do here. I think sometimes you definitely run into that. And it really depends on the mood of the match and the mood of what's going on yeah. to like, if that's going to get added in or if it's not most of the time, it's like, it's not worth fighting if it's a safe thing and it's a safe, whatever, you know, like let's work it in. But usually, you know, you can find a way smartly to work it in. I think sometimes when you're wrestling a lot, like now, is it really the case? But sometimes when you're like, you're doing three or four or five matches and you're just like constantly beating yourself up and you're putting together matches and you know, what'll kind of make sense. Sometimes it's easy to sort of relate to that and say, Hey, do you have anything? You know, what do you have that looks cool? What do you have that's going to get you over in this spot? What do you have that's going to make you look right? And you, you assume people know the things that make them shine up and the things that make them look really good. Um, But sometimes you got to pull it out of them too, a little bit. Hey, I saw you do that thing. What if you could fit that in here? I mean, that's the secondary beauty of it is, I kind of know what people can do by the time we have a match because of how quickly that content travels as well. And so I can start thinking, I mean, there's times I've showed up where people like I've seen all your stuff. I kind of know what I want to put together and I'm like, have at it. Let's have a party. And it's been really incredible. And then there's times where like, you really have to pull it out of people and having that research knowledge. It makes my job a lot easier at the end of the night to make sure things work together as they're supposed to, you know, for sure. Um, when, uh, so in, in the independent circuit, I'm just trying to, cause not all the people that listen are like wrestling fans. Oh uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. So like, uh, in independent wrestling, um, and it's not being televised and people don't, people can't follow along with the storyline. How does that work? Um, at your shows, are you trying to keep storylines like, or what, how's, does that make sense? How's, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think now, you know, the internet stuff has really shifted it and we've been able, I think sometimes in wrestling, we complicate things anyway. And if you go right. through indie wrestling, sometimes indie, I can't even speak right now. That's fine. If you go and look at a lot of the indie wrestling companies, they do have these flowing storylines through, but right. you don't normally have to understand everything that's going on to participate. I've sort of like wanted to go bigger than that and have storylines that are overarching of different promotions. Like I want people to know that I kind of have feuds with certain people. So if I'm interacting with people, they know if I'm interacting with people, they're in groups with, if I'm having matches with people that they've beaten or haven't beaten, I feel like there's an opportunity now with the way internet fans pay attention, the way everything is kind of like instantly global. If you know what's going on, right. I can overarch these stories across many platforms and many places. And in some ways, 
it gets fans interested in places they may not know about. You know, if right. I have a storyline that went on at a place in Indiana and now I bring it to Philadelphia and now I'm going to bring it to Florida, I've given all these different people the opportunity to see it and be a part of it and make it to where it might intrigue them to watch more of the show. But I'm also rewarding the viewers who are going to follow me to all those locations anyway. And so it's kind of like a new weird opportunity where like storylines are jumping across companies and, you know, we've seen that in wrestling before. That's not anything new, but right. it does feel like a little more uh, in my own hands to do at this point. That's cool. Yeah, because that was because uh, I'm in I'm in Mobile, Alabama. And so um, there's it's pretty cool promotion in New Orleans. Uh, Wildcat. Um, oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll go Steve over Cox is down there. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go over there. You know, obviously, when COVID's not going on, I'll go over there and watch and i was just thinking like how do they where how do they carry over storylines like show to show you know stuff like that and it can be hard in the indies too because you talk about how many people shift how many people move around how many people go to companies and so you try to build these storylines and if they work really well unfortunately the the thing that pays off with them is usually your talent gets more money somewhere right so you know sometimes i think that independent companies can be a little greedy about their talent. And I think the Mm. best thing for Indies now is to try to just like get your people out there. You know, the right people are going to get in the right places and uh, you can't hesitate to try these stories or to try to get participation uh, just because you think people will disappear because then you're missing out on a lot of good stuff that you could have under your belt too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think um, just going back to talking about um, your, your, uh, your Twitch shows and you just like, there's nuggets of wisdom, like business wisdom. Just, I don't, I don't know if you know that you're dropping that, but like, uh, I, I hear it whenever I was watching the other day, uh, of just like, stuff. I can't help myself. Right. I'm, you're I'm, a teacher. You want to teach, right? That's what it feels I, like. The thing is, I don't think I'm a good teacher and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm going to tell you why I am a very disorganized person, but if you can get me talking, I can go, and this is and this is going to be a big comparison, okay? I Giant love it. Comparison. Okay. They're going to hate me for it. You know, Jesus had to have 12 boys follow him around to keep track of all the cool stuff he was doing. I need scribes. I need, you know, Peter and Paul and Judas right. and all his brothers and sisters. What? I need people to keep books because I will always give the information, but if you ask me to write it down, I wouldn't know where to start. No. So it's all out here in the world. I just, I need someone to put it in one place for me right. so I can be like, look, here's the things I actually know. Right. But right now it's all just kind of floating into anywhere. Into the into the ether of the internet. I love it. Whoever gets it, gets it. Yeah. Take uh... it. Oh, shit. Free uh, information. This is like, uh, you know, the, the National Archives website. It's just like free yeah. stuff out there. Um, so, uh, Big Gay Brunch. Oh, my God. Uh, was last year the, the first year for Big it Gay was. Brunch? It was. And it was supposed to be in April in Tampa, Florida. Coinciding and I remember with WrestleMania. Yeah. GCW, I remember Brett hit me up and he said, do you think this virus, this was in December, he said, do you think this virus is going to cause a problem? And no. I was like, dude, no Come way. On. I was like, no way. And I remember, sorry to move my lozenge around. I'm trying to get Okay, I didn't know if that was a twitcher. Like what? It's a lozenge. Okay, um, gotcha. And then March, I remember it was March 12th and the whole world was shutting down. The moment I realized it was shutting down was when the NBA was like, we're good, we're not do shows i was like oh we're really fucked yeah march 12th we did that last show in philadelphia for gcw and 
I knew it was over with. I didn't know what we were going to do. I had left my job because I had so much good wrestling lined up. And then the coronavirus hit and I was like, well, I'm still going to leave my job, but now I don't really have an income. Yeah. Um, and so by the time it finally got there, I feel like I was a whole new bird. Like I was, I was a, an animal of wrestling by the time we got to October and got to the big gay brunch. I had fought through COVID. I'd been a freaking COVID cowboy out here wearing my freaking mask wrestling in any damn place I could figure it out anything I could watching, you know, people don't realize I tape study more than anyone on the independence. Cause I literally host a show where I watch a minimum of six hours a week. And that's the minimum wrestling I watch a week. Usually it's more than that. Right. So, you know, and then even including the live shows, you add all that together. I watch an exorbitant amount of wrestling. And uh, as I'm out there wrestling and wanting to try new stuff and wanting to go and like find any opportunity to do it, you know, by the time that brunch got here, I felt looser than I did in, in January. I felt looser than I did in March. I felt completely at home in the game. I've been living without a real job for a while. So I felt very just like free yeah. and it happened, I think at the right time. And I like doing these shows in places like Indianapolis because it's historically, you know, even though the inner city of Indianapolis is full of a lot of vibrant people, right. uh, Indiana is a very backwards Republican right-wing place that Mike Pence is from. And we did our big show there and it was exciting. It was enticing. We had a lot of new LGBTQ talent and, you know, from that has stemmed a lot more opportunity. And we are now going back to Tampa uh, outdoor, completely outdoor, 20% capacity. Everybody has masks required and, all performers tested. So we've really found a way to kind of do this as safely as possible yeah. uh, back in Tampa. And this is going to be like kind of the return home. And it's going to be a different show than even I would have expected because I'm taking this in, in a different way. You know, I, my original idea is to make sure that we're getting the rowdy ass parts of being gay out there and not right. just the, Oh, look, gay people, let's clap for them. I'm so happy we let them in. We let them in the ring, darling. Yeah. Like that, I'm so over that shit. And I wanted that party vibe, that atmosphere. And I thought the way to do that was to just like include people that are over and put them with people I know. And the real way to do it is to just put the right people in the right positions that are entertainers because what I have found is the wrestling audience is willing to open up to a lot of things and willing to open up to stuff. Right. And they're not going to go, well, I haven't heard of that person. So they must suck. They're going to go, I haven't heard of that person. I can't wait to see what they can do. Right. And having that sort of audience and not having to rely on these supposed big names in wrestling and bring people in and turn them into big names in wrestling. That's even better than, you know, just saying, well, look, look what show I put together. It's, you know, look what show I put together that shifted the way the industry was booking talent, because I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched the, um, there's like a 25 minute like uh, video, like highlight video, I think, of Big Gay Brunch from last year. Oh, yeah, the pro wrestling cinema Man, one. It's all 3D so slow-mo 4K. Holy moly. But it, but uh, like all the, all the, all the matches, you know, they're, they're you know, it's, it's cut together, but all the, the highlights were, it was all great. The, uh, even the open, like, was it a uh, Cassandro? Cassandro versus a uh, sunny kiss. Yes. Incredible, man. Uh, you know, Sonny's on, Sonny's a TV star now, you know, I've known Sonny forever. We all just right. kind of knew like, okay, well the time will come when Sonny's a big international right. TV star. And to be able to link Sonny kiss up with legendary exotico Cassandro, who's wrestled for 30 years and dealt with people throwing batteries at him in Mexico, in Mexico. Dealt with all kinds of abuse. Yeah. And, 
to come here and make that happen, like in the middle of Indiana was so wild to me. It was just like the doors opened up the right way because it, it happened at the right time. America needed that match. Yeah. The, the uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the first time I heard of Cassandra. It might have been like a Vice video or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they did an Exotico Vice documentary yeah, that Cassandra was a part of as yeah. well. And he's like, is. Uh, is it Laredo or like, I forgot. Are they, I can't remember where, but yeah, it was just like, holy hell. Like in the, uh, in this rough ass air, I can't think of too much rougher of an area to be in. And then, uh, you know, this, uh, Exotico wrestler living there and just like, Oh yeah. It's just like, holy, you gotta be, you gotta be tough as fucking and just woodpecker crossing the border, yeah. making the money. Right. Tough as nails. Tough I looked nails. over at one point. Here's some behind the scenes. Give it. I looked over at one point and I was waiting for spring break. You know, we're trying to figure out stuff for for Joey's Joe show. Joe Janela, yeah, yeah. And I'm standing and talking to Paro, Mike Paro, another okay. out gay wrestler, right. a monster of a man. And we look over, and Cassandro is having a uh, is having a glass of champagne with with his husband and my boyfriend. <laughs> They're all over at the table together, and I was like. This is a historic moment and neither of them knows or cares. Right. And they're just excited to be hanging out and having champagne. And it was a beautiful, just like, look at, look at what we've been able to create here today. Right. It meant the world. Yeah, man. I imagine that's like, I don't know if you're watching like the Beatles just kind of like tune up, like recording like uh, Abbey Road or something. I don't know. Uh, But uh, yeah, the, that whole video of the, the, the highlights of, um, big gay brunch from last year it was just incredible and uh one one person that i had to look up that i hadn't heard of just from watching that video was uh still life still life with apricots and pears i was like what is going on i can't look she away is incredible right uh Can I, you- and i've gotten to work with her more since then and it's just been like it's been so cool seeing the the transformation of just the character of still life and how much that has grown and changed and how much like more aggressive she's gotten as well because you know like that match with dark chic was incredible but like even going forward she's changed so much since then and done so much more aggressive stuff and even beat me in a match uh at camp leapfrog which if you haven't seen that match people that one is it's on iwtv it's behind a paywall right now but holy mascarol that is (laughs) It's brutal hardcore art. It's wild. The uh, yeah, I was I was like, okay, I need I need to figure out who this person is. And so I think I just like scrolled through your Instagram. I was like, oh, there they are. And so right there. I, I was looking like through her Instagram, and I was like, this is this is like art. Like you were saying, it's, it's like true art. It's like it's I, I feel like uh, it, it like. There should be statues like in that scene in the original Batman where Jack Nicholson is going through the art gallery. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should have a, a fight in an art gallery or in a museum. Like I think if we could get, convince a museum that it would make people more excited about the museum and art and that we wouldn't break anything on purpose, <laughs> that I think they'd get behind that. Yeah. That could be the next level. Yeah. Nobody's going to the natural you know, history museum in wherever, you know. But I think, yeah. What what would what would be the rules of the match though between you and Still Life in the museum? A night at the I museum. Think, 
I think you have to bleed your opponent out with enough blood that you can paint a self-portrait. Fuck. I think you have to paint a self-portrait with your opponent's blood. I don't know if the museum's going to go for this. <laughs> we might have to think about the rules some more. But uh, you know, I you know, if you want me to be a uh, you know consultant, I'll I, I'll you know, I think we could figure we could figure it out. Uh, but yeah, the uh, just through you, I've found so many wrestlers that I don't think I would have heard of, like uh, just in LGBTQ, you know, community. And I think yeah. I think that's. Do you get that a lot from? Do people say that to you a lot? Yes, and I've tried to describe it to. They said I'm being negative by saying this, but I don't think this is negative at all. So I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were like, "You're like so fashion, like everything you do, you get all these people over, you do all this." And I was right. like, "Listen, I was like, I want to be the Ronald McDonald of gay wrestling, and <laughs> I want to be, I want to be something that anybody can walk in and eat. They want to be able to eat it at any time. Right. It's good for everybody. They want to come in and enjoy the show, and then when they come in and and figure out what's going on with me, there's so many more options for." them to go figure out that are better restaurants that are more niche that are more exciting and they can figure all that out i can bring the popularity out i can put on the outfit i can do all the stuff but i want to bring the eyes and attention to the other stuff going on too you know let me let me cook the cheeseburgers and y'all bring the real gourmet food but if i can bring the people in the door and they're already there then boom we've got a whole big audience. So like, yeah, there's a larger plan at play to make sure we're bringing people to wrestling. And the point you bring up is like, Oh, I've learned about so many wrestlers because of you. That's an awesome way of looking at it because I think that there's wrestling happening in almost every city in the country. If you really look deep, I'm not saying it's all good wrestling, but we just are not in tune as American people to know where to go or where to find it. And wrestling fans only know how to advertise to wrestling fans. So we miss out on all these people that would really enjoy the show and really enjoy what it is by advertising it to, to such a specific way. You know, like I think the worst thing in the world is putting 40 white dudes on a poster like this looking tough and thinking that draws money in 2021. It doesn't work. Right. Just a bunch of random pictures of people all jazzed up and contrasted. Like it's right. going to draw a particular crowd. We already have that crowd. Sorry there. Let's yeah. get new people in, you know, let's, let's figure out a way to get new people in. And they say, well, you're not, ta- you're not taking the history of wrestling seriously. And they're right. I don't <laughs> give a damn. I've worked with all these legends. They suck. They're stupid. They're idiots. They're half right conservative blowhards. I don't want to replicate their wrestling. I don't want to replicate their industry. I want a whole new world for wrestling and for people who want to come join us, but have never felt like they could before. We've got to open their eyes and kind of show them what's really going on. Yeah, man. Wow. I'm I'm like going big time, man. I'm a, you got me jazzed up. I'm, you know, I'm ready to go right now. Uh, I'm jazzed up all the time, man. I'm just, we're keeping it rolling. I love it. The, uh, but your match with Marco stunt from big gay brunch, <laughs> the, 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 the high spots in that, I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what, I, what, go on. Sorry. I just want to say that like, especially with having my name on the front of this thing, no. I want people to know that I will never book myself at anything that serious. Right. On my own show for right. two reasons. One, I'm 
handling behind the scenes. I'm dealing with the show. I don't have time to put things together. I don't have time to get complicated. I don't have time to run through you with it with the, in the ring. I don't have to, I don't have time for any of that. Right. So I need to put something together that's going to work. And the original match was going to be me and Priscilla Kelly. And I love her. Okay. And we go way back. We know each other from forever and ever. And it was finally the time for us to wrestle. And she had an unfortunate uh, family situation that she needed to attend to. Right. So at the very last second, you know, Marco stepped up and said it was cool, said the office said it was cool. Uh, you know, I don't know what they expected. They know who I am. This is the thing. Nobody wants to acknowledge that I'm real sometimes because, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little loud and I'm a little controversial sometimes. And so when they do and they're okay with it, I go, do they even know what they're getting into? Because yeah. I'm very obvious about these things. I figured, okay, well, they must know what they're getting into. Right. It was a big Gaga match. No, you know, nobody got hurt. I got blinded by a dick, which was the spot that pissed everybody off. Because that's what I was talking. Yes, I, I was. I was looking to put Marco on the dick. Well, yeah, like of course, but like I'm gonna get bamboozled. It's my stupid show. Like, come on, it's stupid. Right. Um, they got mad. It was frustrating. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to bring. I didn't. I didn't no, know. No, it's that. okay. I, didn't mean I think it, people should know. They got. Yeah. They got really mad about it. And I'm like, "What did y'all expect? What? What the fuck did y'all expect? We, right. we, what were you agreeing to? Right. Who do you think I am? I, I don't shift for anyone. I'm not. It is what it is. Yeah. But they're silly and they're behind the times, and it will catch up with you eventually, darling. Man. Here's the thing. Evolutionarily, the reason sex jokes work is because. You know, biologically, we uh, we exist to procreate. If you look at the evolutionary biology of billions of years, we exist to procreate. Okay, now we've gotten around that, and humans are smart enough to figure out that that's not the whole purpose of life anymore. But genetically, it's the number one thing ingrained in our brain. Right. It's hilarious. Right. It works. It's funny. If you get offended by it, you're you're disacknowledging the most obvious things of all time. Yeah. And you know, people know what's going on. Right. Yeah, I think. Uh that just, as you were saying all that, it uh, it reminded me of. Do you remember in the Matrix where Agent Smith is holding Keanu Reeves like on the the train tracks, and he's like, "Do you hear that? That's the sound of inevitability." That's what yeah. it, that reminded me of. It is the sound of inevitability. Yeah. Hi, I'm inevitability, <laughs> and you can't get rid of me. F I'm is, not going anywhere. Oh man. Um, did you? You said you have a brother, right? Yeah, I do. I Is, do. You just got one brother. That's those. I are just two. have one brother. Okay. So did did uh did you, your brother, and your dad watch professional professional wrestling as when y'all were growing up? My brother did not. My dad did. My dad got me into it like heavily, yeah, uh, but he too. was always like big, like Jim Crockett, like NWA, Shit. like old the old school Southern stuff. And I think that's sort of where, like, I try to pull some of my character inspirations, these old Southern guys who would, like, would jazz up these characters, but they get in the ring and they're just, like, just beating the bricks off of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was, they they could do all the talking and the dancing and the jiving, but then it was just straight up, we're going to beat you up. Right. And, like, I think wrestling misses a little of that these days because, like, it is impressive to see a lot of the things that are super choreographed. Right. But I think sometimes, like, we miss the fact that we're not supposed to be doing an impression of a wrestling match. We're supposed to be doing an impression of a fight right. and there are moments that you can build into that that are structured and built into our training but there are also ways that you can get around it to have people sort of forget what moment they're in and have those little moments of incredulousness where they're not sure what's real anymore and you can do that through violence and you can do that through fun character work and you can do that through you know selling storylines and making it feel believable more than I think you can through just tacking a bunch of things together and doing them as fast as you can and have people go oh wow that was 
he's got abs, you know. <laughs> he did a flippy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I love the flippy boys. I love oh, having sure. matches with the flippy boys. It's fun, but it can't be everything. And you've got to put some gump behind it. Right. You got to put some meat on that thing to, to make people care when you flip. Right. And I sound like an old school person. I'm really not. You know, I think that. You know, the guy who's the best at the old school match these days is Orange Cassidy because he knows when to sell. He knows when to heat up. He knows when to fly. He knows when to go fast. He knows when to go slow. And not everybody is going to be able to understand that, like, that's the same kind of mindset that we need to be in, which is staying entertaining, staying palatable, but also like giving people a reason to to get behind you, giving people a reason to get excited for you and giving people, you know, an understanding of when it's time to go, it's time to go. And when it's time to play around, that's okay too. Fuck man. Yeah. Orange Cassidy. So good. Uh, The best gang business, (laughs) but uh, we're in a gang. You guys are in a gang. We're in a gang called Gang Business. It's me and him and Dan Housen. And I think Dan the dad's in it sometimes, too. Is there a, a crew tattoo in the works? What is? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, Orange Cassidy has beautiful skin. I don't know if I would want to put a bumper sticker on his skin. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I'm the belief. I'm of the belief that all tattoos, you're going to regret them anyway. So, like, go ahead and get them. Like, I'm going to go get another stupid tattoo soon. Right. I have a lot of stupid tattoos. I have a lot of weird Same. tattoos. Same. Yeah. You know, I don't have many tattoos where I go, that's the best decision I've ever made. You know what I mean? That's like, true. And I'm fine with that. Right. What, that's the point. It's yeah. sort of a, it's a scrapbook, baby. Man, yeah. I'm uh, I'm trying to, you know, my corpse, I'm, I'm it's a car and I'm going to be on fire, like going in sideways into the casket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's get it going. <laughs> um, shit. So whenever you first started wrestling, uh, wait, hold on. No. Uh, one point I want to bring up. Tony and I were, were speaking in the episode, and um, he was like, you know who sh- you should have on is Effie. And I was like, yeah, I need to hit him up. He's like, yeah, he's the gay Ric Flair. And I was like, I am the gay Ric Flair, but I want to say this. I am. I think Ric Flair is probably one of the worst people you could probably go to actually deal with as a human being. Probably. Yeah. And I think I'm the opposite. I want to be like the idea you have of Ric Flair. And then you hang out and you go, man, like that was even better than I expected. Right. Like, don't get it twisted. Your boy likes to, likes to go hard, likes to go big, likes to get wild. Right. Uh, But I'm also, you know, like making sure people get home safe and like, I don't drink alcohol. I, yeah, I, that was, I, I party in different ways and I party spiritually and I want that Ric Flair energy, but not necessarily with like as many pregnancies. Yeah. And I, I, mean. I definitely didn't mean that as like, you take all that, that Ric Flair on too. No, you know no, 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 no. Okay. But I also think there's a spirit of Ric Flair too of like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When that guy got in the ring too, like there's history of him showing up to the arena and looking terrible and needing to be on in like 10 minutes. And he would go into the locker room and get himself together and come out. And then like, he's immediately Flair. And like, yeah. there are times when like you're on the road and you're traveling and you're like, I've been traveling for 12 hours already and I need right. to go to the show and I need to like get my stuff together and to turn it on that fast and make it happen and jump right in the zone. Like, yeah, that's the flair I want to be. I want to go out there and just hit the metal and know where I need to be and like be ready for any kind of match that comes up. Cause Hey, I'm Effie and I'm here to wrestle. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, that goes back to, um, a lot of the most like iconic wrestlers have been, um, like amplified versions of themselves, you know? Yeah. Like Ric Flair, Stone Cold, 
the rock. I talked whatever. about that the other day with someone, okay. but I want to talk about it with you because Bring I think sometimes people are like, especially in wrestling, they're like, oh, well, my character is me turned up to 11. And I think that's like a really good idea. Right. But I think it needs to be the selective you up to 11 because like some of these guys, especially in the indies and even some of the big professionals, they also turn up parts of themselves that are like very not good and not something the audience wants to participate in people get confused by the love they get on twitter and i'm a person who's never confused by it because i understand something when you're scrolling twitter and you're clicking like on stuff and you're following someone you're not devoting your life to them okay you're liking the tweet you're liking this some of these people think that oh my followers want to hear everything from me and they want to hear that the jiffy lube just messed up my car and they want to hear that my girlfriend is being such a mean girl and they want to hear that oh this this is this has been the hardest week of my life and i've struggled so much I don't think that's the best way to keep people around. I'm not saying not to share your struggle. I'm not saying not to share parts of you that you have overcome things or you've had to work extremely hard for things. But when you're building this in to think that people are going to react positively to anything you do and they're going to get 100% behind you in anything you do because they're following you, you're forgetting that like they're following thousands of people probably. And they're looking over and they're seeing it. And if they look a few times and see tweets from you and they go, okay, well, that's weird. Or, okay, well, that seems a little immature. Or, okay, why would they do that at a certain point they either mute you or they unfollow you or they get rid of you and what i want to keep is is the reason you came to effie was to be entertained the reason you came to effie was to learn about wrestling to watch wrestling to see these things i want that to continue and i'm not saying i'm not going to share things with you that are difficult for me or i'm not going to share things with you that are personal parts of my life but i'm also going to selectively pick the things that i think are going to make the most sense for effie as a character and in the way the presentation is for the audience there is overloads of information that can confuse people and it's not fair to think that your audience wants all of that and i think sometimes when we put all this out there we sometimes make jumps in the character where we assume people know what we're talking about because oh well i tweeted about that or i did this but they never actually get those things over with an audience in an understanding way and it's like hey keep it simple stupid i'm not saying simplify things to the point of stupidity but make sure what you're trying to get across to people when you're turning it up and when you're going wild makes sense to as to what they are actually seeing you know right. um yeah i and i think uh you have just from your um, internet presence and what I've seen, I think you have a great balance of like not being like uh, complainy about if that if that's the right word to use. I don't know. I think, I think like, it is. I think the uh, I think the character Effie is well represented, and then I think uh, personal Effie is also rep was represented in the correct you know ratio to to you know if that makes sense yeah at all. and i mean there's still you know i'm not, I'm not saying i'm i mean i'm as open as i can be with people right, but there's still sure. things like i'm just i'm not gonna go to my wrestling community for that are happening in the world you right know? yeah and you know i think there's just there's something that we have to figure out as a society going forward with social media of it's great and it gives us this serotonin boost when people pay attention to us but do we need to rely on that meaningfulness, you know, when we need support in other ways? Cause I think sometimes we turn to these communities in times of need that we should be able to turn to, but we also turn to them in ways where like, maybe they didn't sign up for that. And maybe yeah. there's a safer place for you to go get assistance or deal with these things with versus the platform where you're trying to also like sell shirts three tweets later, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, man. Yeah. Damn. Uh, we've been going for like 50 minutes here. Uh, I'm a talker, baby. I'll I tell love you it. what. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Are, are you pressed for time or, or? The only thing I'm pressed for is dinner, baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, you brought up um, uh, AJ, your, your, your man, boyfriend, life partner. Yeah, I don't want to put love. I don't want to put titles, you know. I don't know. I don't put titles either. He's hey. my one. He's my uh, baby. One know? one funny thing after watching the the Monday Not Raw, <clears throat> and um, he came on, um, and then watching uh, a match of you and uh, Maria Manic. Oh yeah, he was on commentary. Like how it does he do that when y'all go to shows or what's the Oh, wait, no, no, that wasn't him on commentary. That wasn't him on commentary. Okay. Versus Maria Manic. No, I think that was Eric Shorey. But I will say about AJ's commentary, AJ's my favorite commentator. Okay. Because a lot of times on the show, Sorry, I, I, have I got to confused. Do, Sorry, I didn't know. No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. But he should be hired as a commentary. I want to get him some money in wrestling. Okay. I would hire him as a commentator. And here's why. He... I sometimes have to be the play-by-play and the color commentary guy. Your play-by-play is going to be like, move, move, move. Two brains. Going for a pin. Here we go. But I also need to be the play-by-play and keep up with selling the story and selling the characters and selling the moments that are not necessarily move-by-move. And so when I have him in here to do the color commentary and he can just take over and talk about what he thinks as someone who's not really a wrestling fan but has watched wrestling with me, it's really awesome because it's like a pure form of the of the commentary and they see things that I think are simple moves or simple maneuvers or very basic things. And the way he reacts to them, it lets me know that like, Hey, there are things we do that like wrestling fans are numb to a lot of the times, but that normal people coming into would be like, Oh, that's so cool. And I want him to come in. So people aren't scared to be like, well, I don't know about wrestling. They can clearly come in and be like, well, that guy definitely doesn't know about wrestling and he's having a blast and enjoying himself. Right. And so it's, I think that's, we need to do more of that in wrestling and include people who are like, Hey, you know, joining me on commentary today alongside is someone who doesn't really watch wrestling and they're going to let you know what they think about it. It seems crazy, but I think sometimes commentary has watched so much wrestling and done so much wrestling and is involved with so much wrestling and is only thinking of wrestling that they are also jumping over people's heads too, if they're not careful. And I want that groundedness of somebody who isn't going to know that it's, you know, a cravat that isn't going to know that, you know, it's a a Canadian destroyer. Right. I want them to just react and vibrate to it because that's the point of the commentary is to get over what's happening in the match. And if they're excited about the match and want to talk about it, that to me is going to help get that action over. I love having him be a part of it. That's great. Uh, Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, Whenever you get booked for shows, has anybody ever been like, okay, uh, you're obviously wrestling. Can you also do commentary up until a point? Has that happened? I wish there was more. Why? Uh, Man. Okay. Go on. Sorry. I I did just record commentary for Enjoy Wrestling. So they're going to have a, I think, four-part or five-part YouTube series, four-part YouTube series coming out soon. Uh, I think it actually debuts tomorrow night on YouTube on on February 25th, uh, if that's tomorrow. Um, Yes. But I should be doing a lot more commentary. Here's my thing. This is the problem they run into. Okay. 
I make decent money on Twitch. I make decent money wrestling. Uh, When they want to hire me to do commentary, I'm going to charge you what I charge you to wrestle. And I'm not going to back down because it's still as much work as me doing a Twitch show. It's as much work as me doing. It's performing and I'm going to, I'm going to charge you for it. And so I understand that a lot of companies don't have the money to pay for me to wrestle and then to pay for me to do commentary and then to pay for this. But I do think that I can add a lot to the product. And I think hopefully I'll, I'll find myself in a position to be able to do more commentary. I mean, I got I got over doing big promos and having cool matches. Right. I want to get even more over being able to put over big matches and put over commentary. Right. Because I, you know, there's a lot of good commentators out there, I think, but there's For also sure. a lot of really fucking awful commentators out yeah. there. And I'm I just there's no room for that anymore because it's just as important of a job as anybody in the matches. If you've got a bad commentary team that can't put anything over, nobody's gonna give a shit about anything going on in the ring. Right. Or they're just gonna be annoyed by you and turn it off anyway. Right. Yeah, I think uh companies need to, you know, start hiring you for for commentary as well. They're they're missing yeah, out on money. Yeah. They are missing out on money. Yeah. I'm missing out on money too. So let's work this out, people. Let's make I'm here it to out. do commentary. I'll do commentary over your wedding video. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh shit. No, here she regular comes. Regular people. Yeah. Regular people reach out. High quality audio. We're going to give you the commentary. Uh, you, I'll even put me I'll put a picture of me over the corner so you can know who's talking over your wedding video. Could, could you just give us a taste of uh uh just some Yeah, she's not Okay, she's coming down the aisle, the bride. All right, she's, she's not okay, here. We go. She's here we go. not very attractive, but it's her wedding day, so you got to okay, put her over. Go. And just as expected, the people are rising. They want to get a look at Blair. Blair making her way down the aisle. You see that highlighter used to bring out her cheekbones. You see they shaded a little bit down there under the chin to keep those boils hidden. And she has got that veil fully over her face. Don't want to give away the surprise before she gets up there to Steve. She is walking. The flower girl seems to be running out of roses a little soon. She's now shuffling them forward, shuffling. Okay, she made it to the end. She made it to the end. The bride is there. She is waiting. The maid of honor has taken that bouquet. And now and now they're holding hands. Folks, we're going to now go down to our uh, minister live on the scene and start with the vows. Take it away, Michael. <laughs> Fuck. Love it. Okay. Goofing. Goofing. Uh, just goofing. Okay. Um, so we do, I, I did come up with a bit, you know, that we can, uh, I think, I feel like we're coming to the end. Um, cause I don't, I don't want, I don't want to take all of your time. You know, I could talk no, to you I, I for hours. Uh, this is why I gotta, I gotta start a service where we could just, we could just have me talk. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Uh, oh, I do. It's my cameo. Never mind. Never mind. There, okay, there you go. Go to cameo. <laughs> uh, F, Effie lives. Is it, it what, Amen. what is it? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, how do I share my screen? Uh, Effie, uh, shit. Zoom. Being a being a real bitch. Uh, I know. Oh, what share. Are you doing Zoom. There we go. Okay, here we go, Effie. All right, let's All get right. it. Can you see my screen? Do you see? Do you see a a tent? It says. It, oh, yep. I'm in the screen now. I'm okay. living in the screen now. Okay. So uh, this this bit that I came up with and my friend, my artistic friend helped me out. Um, I was going to pitch you, uh, uh, pitch you a tag team, possible tag teams out of like golden era or gold. Was it new era? Whatever. Nineties wrestlers. And they're all WWF, WWE, whatever wrestlers. Um, 
and we can we can just go through and you'd be like eh, I don't that's that might be for me might not be for me if, and, uh, if I would tag team with them right yeah okay perfect perfect yeah. and uh and we can come up with the the fin- the the tag team finisher okay all right I love that okay, okay. and to uh fair warning they are campy uh oh I'm fine with that I, I think that, it, that works for me okay so first up oh my god so first up the wankers with the British bulldog. Oh my God. <laughs> what uh, thoughts, thoughts, concerns. Yeah. My concerns are I don't smoke crack. Um, let me I stop. That's what, okay. So also a stipulation. We're just going off of like TV. You're an average TV oh. viewer. What's selling? You know, we're not doing like personal. We're not doing like, oh okay, shit, okay. that guy that guy kills dogs, you know, nothing like that. That guy kills dogs. Okay, so the taxi with the wanker. Who 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 was selling in 1994, you know? Um, this is selling to me. I think I would have to take the heat in every match. I think I would be getting beat up the most, and Bulldog would have to come save me right. with his gigantic muscles. But I think that we could do a finishing move. Now, he was known for a lot of big power moves, but yeah. I think our finishing move would be a little different. What would it I be? think I would do a swanton bottom, but I would hold onto his braids up top on the top rope, and he would headbutt whip me into the person in the ring right. with his with his cornrow braids. <laughs> do you have a name? What would it be like a... London Bridge or what were we talking about? Oh God! Uh, tea and crumpets. What are we? What are we doing? Tea and crumpets. Yeah, maybe it would be tea time, and maybe I'm screaming tea time <laughs> while I'm being flipped over this man because I want that really sexy head flip. Yeah. You know. Oh shit. The um, yeah. The uh, when I was going back through and I, you know, uh, British Bulldog. That's a big guy for me. Is when I was a kid. You know who? Well. Who was the biggest, as a kid, who was the biggest wrestler, you know, that Dude, comes to mind I, for you? The first, like, being a six-year-old and seven-year-old and having the NWO form, I shoot thought they were a gang. Yes. Like, I literally thought they were, like, on the FBI list. Like, why aren't they getting these people? They could really hurt people. Like, I thought they were a shoot gang. And I remember thinking Kevin Nash was the coolest dude ever, but you could never meet him because he would kill you. Um <laughs> And my dad always tried to get me, you know, he's trying to get me to watch old Flair and old Dusty and old, you know, he was a Magnum TA guy and those kind of guys. And so I'm just like, I'm over here looking up South Park NWO characters, wondering why the FBI is not making a move (laughs) and waiting to see what they're going to do next, man. Man, Cartman with the NWO shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wolfpack Sting with the little jacket and he's like a little South Park man. Okay. I love it. Okay. So this this is a, you know, keep this in mind. And so we're moving to the next tag team, possible tag team. Uh, All right. This is going to be big. Ho! Oh, uh, this is the team I want. Uh, Razor Ramon and Effie. Gazer's Edge. I think, listen, I think me and Razor Ramon have a lot in common. All right. We're okay. both, you know, very hairy. I mean, look at the hair comparison here. <laughs> we're both very hairy. Right. All right. We both have wide shoulders. Yeah. We both have beautiful pecs, smiles. Pecs, you know. Great, great peck energy. And he's got a razor blade on his necklace that I know we could use if we had to in a match, you know. Right. Now, I, I don't want to sound like a glutton for suffering, but I really Get think it. me getting thrown into people is a great way to win matches. Yeah. 
And I think he just picks me up for a razor's edge and not, I don't think he dumps the guy on him while he's on the ground. I think he dumps me on this guy while he's standing up, just head to head, the back of my head cracking against this guy's face. (laughs) And that's the finisher. And we're going to go. Well, I guess we can't call it the Gazer's Edge if that's the name of our tag team. Well, you might as well. You can do it. Yeah. I don't know. Gazer's Edge with the Gazer's Edge. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, what better edge could you have? I know. Um, Holy shit. We look so cool. Yeah. And also, I wanted to iterate, uh, we could have done better like um, with the uh, the fonts, but like this, no, no, no. it's the this 90s. It's beautiful. the 90s, you know? Oh shit! Okay, it's lovely. And okay. this is what we had back then. <laughs> this is, you know, the the last one I was I'm pretty proud of. You know, um, so I hope you enjoy. Okay, uh, and it, to me, it might be the best um, tag team combination for you oh, no. in in the the mid mid to uh, early late nineties. You know. Uh, oh okay. yeah. Okay, so here we go. Oh my god. I can't believe that's the name that you just put up here. When Effie and The Undertaker come together to defeat the forces of good, we will take all the Twink Bottoms. We will take all of their souls Mm -hmm. and we will hide them because we are Wait, let me say it, Undertaker. The bottom takers. That's right what he said. The bottom takers. Rest in peace. I'm I I want to say this. I am the I am the I'm an anti-Undertaker advocate. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Mostly I do it to piss off Ricky Starks. Because Ricky Starks trained with The Undertaker for a while, and I think it's funny to just dog shit The Undertaker in front of everyone. But right. if me and The Undertaker were in a tag team, it would probably grant me the rights to be able to shoot lightning from my hands. Ooh. And I am willing to concede that The Undertaker is a fantastic tag team partner as long as I get the lightning power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I need the lightning. What would we do for a finish? I guess him and Kane used to do the double choke slams. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe. See, now I've always wanted to do a move that's a similar variation to a tombstone. But instead of dropping you on your head. (laughs) Right. Right. I just drop you onto me and then we 69. (laughs) So maybe me and the Undertaker, that would be our finish. But to actually win the match, we would probably do dual pile drivers onto each other because that's also a 69 move which is another thing me and the undertaker have in common we're both big fans of devastating 69s holy shit yeah so uh what do you uh which which team would you choose like out of the three oh i'm going with the bottom takers i'm i'm renouncing my undertaker hate and i'm joining this purple legion look how good we look together like i know coordinated we're both you know like we both have great facial hair he dyes his hair, but I don't. So maybe right. we could figure something out there. Uh, this would, I mean, it's the only way they'd get me past Vince. Right. I think so. Because <laughs> he won't tell that guy no. No. Man. Uh, okay. The bottom takers it is. Wow. The bottom takers are here. Sorry yeah. to the family of Davy Boy Smith Jr. about my um, crack cocaine comment. No. 
yeah. Extremely sorry. <laughs> I think you're okay. Uh, yeah. Well, Effie, man, uh, please stay on for a second. Uh, but wow, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm glad we could clash brains. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, do you have any like, I don't know, words of wisdom or to tell like, uh, uh somebody who's like got the wrestling bug and like, I'm going to do it. So my thing lately has been to tell people, make sure you've got something they can actually hold on to. There's a lot of flash in wrestling. There's a lot of characters in wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling in wrestling, but people have to actually want to either support you or actually want to hate you. Both of those things are important and they can't do that if you're not enough of a dimension of a character come into wrestling with an open mind come in with an idea but also like find out who you are through wrestling too if you can because you're going to find the best version of yourself and be able to play off of that and it's going to make your life a lot easier go find out just go hit those ropes and bump once or once or twice so you can understand why my back is a literal callus (laughs) go do it fantasy camp whatever you got to do just feel my suffering for a minute Fuck yeah. You'll like wrestling even more. Fuck yeah. Effie, well, you know, uh, like I said, stay on for a second, but uh, you had options, but you decided to talk to me. Thank you. Yo, thank you. Yeah. Glad we could do it. Hell yeah. Hope I brought the heat. You did. Nothing but the heat. Yeah.